The Utah Jazz just keep getting better. We're talking about it next on Locked on Jazz. You are Locked on Jazz, your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to Locked on Jazz for the 2nd of February. The Utah Jazz win over the Toronto Raptors, highlighted by Walker Kessler once again, rising the roof. Lowry Markin puts on an all-star performance for the Jazz. Jordan Clarkson, let's not forget his value. And the rookies close the night. The Jazz just keep getting better. We're talking about it all coming up on today's edition of Locked on Jazz Plus. A little tiny late game watch. Bum, 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 bum. I don't know where the drum roll goes anymore. I don't know. What are we going to do? Hi, I'm David Locke, radio voice of the Utah Jazz, Jazz NBA insider. This is Locked on Jazz, your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz, giving insight, expertise, geeky numbers, and hopefully making it way better to be a Jazz fan each and every day. Thanks so much for making Locked on Jazz your first listen of the day. We are free. We are available for you on all podcasting apps. We are also available on YouTube. Join the YouTube community and the fun part of being a part of Locked On Jazz, interacting with the community and uh, interacting with all of the uh, other jazz fans as you're part of this Locked On Jazz group. Hope you're good. Change that open a little bit. Tried to make it a little bit more punchy. The drum roll can't get lost. We've got to bring it back. It's probably going to have to just go in that spot randomly. Uh, it, it was random anyway. Uh, to start with, welcome to the van. Uh, live from the Snowbird parking lot as I'm going to get out for a little bit today and enjoy it. Uh, uh, it is so gorgeous and beautiful. We live in just such a masterful, fabulous place, so uh, we're bringing it to you from the van. Uh, today's show is brought to you in part by FanDuel. FanDuel Sportsbook, official sportsbook of Locked On. Make every moment more. Visit FanDuel.com slash Locked On today to get started. Wow, that was a fun one last night. Super, super fun. Uh, and... Wild game. I mean, you don't take 20, what is it, 27 fewer shots than an opponent very often and win. Uh, And the Jazz found a way to do that last night, which was awesome. Uh, And I really just thought we saw all of the aspects of how this team has grown. Certainly being home, certainly being rested matters. They've won 7 of 10. They're, you know, they're beating the 500 clan, right? Like, they're going up against... The teams that are kind of in the similar mix of them. That's what's so interesting about this kind of stretch of the schedule. And they're playing tight games with maturity, with growth, and they're just a way better team than they were earlier this year. The losses, Brooklyn kind of outdid them. Philly by one, who is great. Um, and they lost to Memphis at Memphis in a close game by five recently. Um and then Portland when Dame goes off. So, you know, it's taking a pretty monstrous performance to beat Utah right now. And at the same time, uh, they're just way better than they have been. Uh, the defense last night won't go down as better. But last night was the second best offensive performance of the season against a defense that, while not as good, is similar to the Brooklyn Nets. And that was the storyline that I kind of came with as the night started was here's the Jazz going up against a team that's switching. I asked Will Hardy about it in the press conference. Switching physical, similar style to what the Jazz faced in the Brooklyn Nets. And how would the Jazz handle it? And in a night where the Jazz against the Brooklyn Nets really weren't very good and got kind of pushed off the the ball and, and 
blown up out of what they wanted to do, and they had their they, they weren't terrible. They had their 35th offensive performance of the night of the season. Last night, the Jazz had their second best offensive night of the year. The only one time all year have the Jazz had a better offensive rating than they did last night. A 130 offensive rating is incredible. And a 130 rating offensively, while Malik Beasley said to us postgame, we felt like we were being dominated because they gave up 25 offensive rebounds last night. So to have that kind of feeling on the court as you're playing, that you're being dominated, you're being down, it is it, and then be able to fight through it and play. The Jazz last night really took advantage of it. Actually, I just got the official numbers, just came into my spreadsheet. They're actually ranking it as the number one offensive night of the year, a 132.1. The number two offensive night of the year is against the Clippers. Here's why the Jazz are so much better than they've been and why they're get, and where, why I can say so clearly. Since Walker Kessler moved in the starting lineup 10 games ago permanently, they're 7-3. and three. Now, they have not played. They played Philadelphia as one of the great teams in the league. They played Brooklyn without Kevin Durant. They, they have not played Milwaukee. They've not played Denver. Um, and, you know, frankly, the 11th game is Memphis, who, who is struggling right now. It's one of their last wins. But if you look at the Jazz offensive performances since then, seventh best of the season against Minnesota. Now, Rudy did not play. Clippers, second best of the season. Uh, yes, uh, you did not see... Um, Paul George, and you did not see Kawhi Leonard defensively. And the best offensive game of the season against Toronto, and the 12th best offensive game of the year against Portland, 25th best offensive game against Charlotte, 31st best offensive game against Dallas. We're, we're having above average offensive nights every year for a t- every game for a team that's the fourth best offensive team in the league. And then you go defensively. Orlando, seventh best defensive game of the year. Clippers, ninth best defensive game of the year. Hornets, fourth best defensive game of the year. Dallas, 11th best defensive game of the year. Last night was not great. It was 45th, but you're having that kind of an offensive night, and you couldn't clear the glass last night. You just couldn't clear the glass. You're not going to have. They actually, the Jazz had, with every statistical number going way against the Jazz last night, they they could not keep the Raptors out of transition. The Raptors were in transition for most of the night, 33% of the time, the highest rate of any team all game, all season long. The Raptors are the second best transition team in the NBA. They're 27th in the league in the half court. Jazz were doing a great job in the half court and then couldn't clear the glass. And yet still, 122 is not good, but they won the game. I mean, that was really a gritty performance by the Jazz where basically they took their strengths and their strengths were bigger than the Raptors' strengths the Jazz couldn't stop. And then in the end, the Jazz win the game because of the fact they don't turn the ball over in the second half of the season, the second half of the game. The Jazz turned it over 11 times in the first half and then only turned it over another five times in the second half, which is what allowed them to have this mammoth offensive game of a 133 offensive rating. The other one we saw, and at 5 o'clock tonight when they announced the reserves to the All-Star game, every indication is that we will see Lowry and mentioned for the first time as an NBA All-Star. What an incredible, incredible moment this must be, is going to be for Lowry. Um, and an incredible moment, frankly, for Will Hardy and the Jazz front office. But let's really just focus on Lowry. And last night, to me, is, that, is the night that shows he's an All-Star. So he opens the game one of two in the first quarter. He has two turnovers. They're top-blocking him in a switch. So they're top-blocking him, making it super hard for him to get off the switch. The minute he comes off, gets off the pick, then they're literally playing on the top side of him again, and he can't get the ball. 
where, where it's nearly impossible for him to get the ball, and he's not getting good looks. He forces up a three in one of those two shots. It's not a good look. It's like a, I've got to get a shot up to try to get myself going. By halftime, he's two for four. He's one for three from three. He's taken two bad three-pointers, and he has two turnovers. He's just not rolling. Okay? Like, um, actually, by halftime, he's three of six. The second quarter, he's two of four. So at halftime, he's played 15 minutes. He's three of six. He's one of four from three. Two of the shots aren't good. He has gone to the line, but he's turned it over four times. Now, the first thing, he's kind of meandered his way to 11 points, impressively. Now he comes out in the third quarter. And this, I think, is actually the Raptors' problem is that teams adjust. And Lowry goes three for four, two of two from the free throw line, scores 10 points. He begins to understand where the game is. I'm sure Will Hardy makes some adjustments and deserves some credit, but again, let's focus on the All-Star. And then in the fourth, you just saw pure power. He hits the big three on the Walker-Kessler pass, which if you look at the highlight package I just posted on all of my social networking for the three calls of the night, and thank you to our uh, new uh, broadcast social media intern via who's doing amazing work is uh it's a left-hand pass from walker kessler by the way like just to throw that out there that was a left-handed pass from walker kessler um but marketing hits the three in the corner he has seven points four he goes to the line four times and you see him by the end of the night be a versatile player i thought when you talk about lowry market and the all-star what nick nurse said before the game was interesting. He's playing with confidence so that when he's feeling good about it, the ball touches his hands and it's out of his hands almost immediately. And then he talked about when he doesn't feel the shot, he's playing with a drive and he's playing with a side-to-side game. One of the most underrated things in the league is whether or not players have any type of wiggle. So Royce O'Neal's really good, but he has, just I'm choosing a player that we've referenced, not someone we've traded. He has no wiggle. Donovan has like the greatest wiggle I've ever seen. It's the ability to drive and move your plane. If you're just a straight-line driver in the NBA, they're going to get you. They're going to be able to cut you off somewhere along the way on that drive because there's too many guys rotating, getting in lane. That's where you get offensive fouls. But if you have a little wiggle and you can move a little bit to one side or the other, then you're suddenly catching the guy either at a blocking foul or, as Will Hardy talks about, you're able to take a side of their body with your power. And if you grab someone on the side of their body instead of full, you'll bend them. Now they're moving and you're making the move. It's what Zion does. It's what Giannis does. And now Lowry at 7 feet, 240 is doing it. And we've seen him develop this over the year, multiple times to become the player he is right now. It's super, super awesome is what it is. It's really awesome. And Lowry will be rewarded today. We'll talk a little bit more about that. We're going to talk about Walker. I just think we can't forget about what Jordan's doing. Mike was great last night. The team is getting so much better. They're 7-3 and three over the last 10. They're in the midst of making a playoff push that's just going to be super fun to watch and see how they adapt uh, with the pressure and the bigger games, and they close with two rookies. There's so many fun things for us to be talking about in this jazz community and this jazz group. Thank you so much for being a part of it. Uh, I've got an interesting group I want to tell you about uh, on today's edition of Locked on Jazz. It's Summit Cap, and Summit Capital is out of Utah County. They actually invested in Locked On, and so I can actually tell you this firsthand. Um, and what's interesting about Summit Capital is what they're looking for. They like to be the see if they can find a way to help you break through. So what do I mean by that? One of the things that Summit Capital is looking for is people who are working at a company. They might not have the financial resources to take the company the next step, but they actually know all the inner workings. So then Summit Capital is going to find the management 
who knows all these things, give them the equity, give them the financial resources to have the equity and let them build the company in the next step. So it's an owner that's seeking to sell their business. They're ready to pass it on. There's an entrepreneur that's been working for that company that's ready to go. And Summit Cap is going to be the one that pushes, gives you the opportunity. You can reach Matt at 801-796-2033 or just email LockedOnJazz at SummitCapUtah.com or visit their website at SummitCapUtah.com. Hopefully this makes sense to you. You're looking at somebody who's working in the company. The ownership's ready to move on. It's a win for them. You buy them out, and then you move up. Summit, your knowledge is your equity. Summit Capital provides the cash, and you guys work together to build the company into a new level. They were great to work with on my end, so I can only tell you uh, my personal experiences, which was that is not a sharky venture capital group. That was someone who was super helpful in looking into us and our well-being to do the best that we possibly can. Today's show also brought to you by our new sportsbook partner at FanDuel. Super Bowl is coming right around the corner, and there's a bunch of exciting, fun things for you. If you're new to FanDuel, listen to this. The number one sportsbook in America, FanDuel, has got it for you. Great features for making betting sports fun and easy. And the biggest right now is the no sweat. First bet for FanDuel with Super Bowl 57. You'll get up to $3,000 back in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. FanDuel lets you bet on everything from the money line to point spreads to who will score a touchdown. I heard Sean Woodley of Locked On Raptors talking about the Gatorade color. FanDuel sports app is safe, secure, and super easy to use. Best of all, you can get paid for your winnings instantly. That's right, instantly you can get paid for your winnings and all that you uh, have put together over at FanDuel. FanDuel uh, is there for you. Go to FanDuel.com slash locked on. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on. And get your no sweat first bet on Super Bowl 57. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on. Make every moment more with FanDuel, official sportsbook partner of the NFL. I want to take a second, and maybe we should be doing this tomorrow uh, in some ways, but I want to take a second and talk about Lowry's story. So Lowry comes from a super close-knit family in Finland. Um, he is a kid who drove himself at, a, at an early, early age. Um, and really probably should be doing this tomorrow after he gets honored. So I have so many other things today. All right, we're going to talk more about Lowry and his story tomorrow. I'm going to wait on that one. Um, because there are so many things to talk about after that great win. Apologize. I just am so fired up for Lowry. I think tonight's going to be super emotional for him. I think we're going to see our Ivan Drogic from Rocky break. I think uh, they're doing um, – if if they have a press availability for him, I think we've seen a kid, guy who's, you know, very stoic, very solid, very, like um, – I don't want to call him unemotional because he plays with a great deal of juice, um, but I think he's very controlled. And I think I think this is going to be such a mammoth moment to him that we are going to see an outpouring of emotion for him. I, you know, I think a little bit, frankly, is he's got two kids and a wife. Um, he got married very young. They've been on the whole journey with him. He was married. I think he got married while he was in Chicago, his rookie year at 20. Um, so if his wife's there... Uh, if they have a media session, I don't know if they're going to, but if they have a media session for him and his wife's there, like I think we'll see a Low- something out of Lowry we've never seen before, which would be super sweet. Uh, let's talk a little bit about Walker last night. Uh, Will Hardy in the pregame was talking about Walker and all the things that make him really strong. And um, Sorry, let me get my little notes out. Uh, from This book is kind of awesome. It's every press conference of the whole year. It's actually full. I've got to get a new one. Um, so last night he was talking about, you know, obviously we get the, we're getting the press conference kind of every time, uh, the size and length and the great feet. 
um, he talked about. So I followed up and said, like, well, what is an example of the great feat? And if you watch the highlight video that I just posted at DLock09 on Instagram or DLock09 on Twitter or on my TikTok or on my Snapchat, uh, you watch that final play. He grabs a rebound. He pump fakes like he's going to go up twice to make an offensive play. He's too far underneath. He reacts, throws a left-handed pass to Lowry Markinen in the corner. This kid's really skilled. I didn't know that Michael Smith has been basically saying he thinks he's going to be an all-star. This kid's wildly skilled. He's got great length, great feet, great instincts. The jumping with two hands is different. Uh, Will Hardy in the press conference yesterday had an interesting comment. He talked about how by jumping with two hands to block shots, he never has to reach across his body, and so therefore it never looks like he's committing a foul, Uh, which is not something I had really thought about before in regards to why he's able to stay in the game and impact things. Statistically, he's the fourth, over the last 10 games, he's the fourth best rim defender in the NBA. Only Draymond Green, Jaron Jackson, and Jared Allen are better. They're kind of the only guys that are better for him for the whole year, too, actually, if you get into it. And and that's more impressive to me in the last 10 games because he's playing against number one tier guys. He's playing more minutes. He's blo- affecting more shots, and his numbers are still as good. He is finishing at the basket both right-handed and left-handed. Uh, Will talked about the play, first play the other night, where he catches the ball in the paint, goes to make the pass to the corner. They close off that pass. He collects himself, doesn't lose his balance, spins on a drop step, and finishes at the basket. That That's the great feat. The passes against Minnesota in the game, in which he had a bunch of passes, where he's catching the ball in the paint, Mike's giving it to him perfectly, and then he's making the plays. It's... We're way better right now because of Walker Kessler. Last 10 games, last night's not going to help, but last 10 games we were 14th in the league coming in. We were 14th in the league in defense. We were 28th before he was inserted in the starting lineup every single game. After last night, I'm sure it's not as good. Let's check. We're now 16th. Fine. In the last 10 games since Walker Kessler's in the starting lineup, we've gone through who we've played. We miss Luka. We miss Paul George and Kawhi. Let's not get too excited. But the differential's a plus 4.3. And offensively, he's not hurting us all. We're the sixth best offensive team in the last 10 games since he's been inserted in the starting lineup every day. It also is just helping a bunch of other guys. Jared Vanderbilt's playing super well coming off the bench in that second team. Colin Sexton is playing really well right now when he's playing off the ball. And some of that, I think, is the fact that Walker's taking up space and doing a lot of things um, in that regard. He's really, this kid's really good. This is really quite a find. Um, I'm going to say this. That, like, I know the Jazz knew what they were getting in the sense that they liked him. I don't think anyone knew what they were getting. And if anyone did, he's not drafted 22nd. Like, there there, there are times in the league in which, the you know, something gets devalued. And that's when you can profit. Um, high school players, Kobe and Kevin Garnett, nobody quite understood what to do with them. They were all scared of him for really no logical reason. Ichiro... This is baseball reference, but Ichiro, when he came over from Japan, and I remember Lou Pinnell wondering, oh, I don't know if he's strong enough to be able to get through. Like, okay, well, you know, just because he's Japanese doesn't mean he's weak. Um, like, these stereotypes, sometimes racially based. Um, Dirk Nowitzki, foreign player, sometimes ethnically based, um, on, that we're not sure whether they can handle the NBA because we're so superior. Never seems to work very well when we have that approach. What happened with Walker, I think, is the same thing, that we have devalued the seven-foot big in the NBA, particularly the drop big, who does struggle in the playoffs against a bunch of guys, and there are reasons why the drop big has somewhat reduced value, but you get into the draft and people forget that if you have a 25-minute-a-night starter after about the 
seventh pick of the draft, that's a heck of a draft pick. This guy slipped to 22, and he's the best rookie in the NBA right now. He's better than Paulo Boncaro. His impact is higher than Paulo Boncaro. I'm taking Paulo Boncaro first. Don't misunderstand me. Um, and there's probably some other players I'm still taking before Walker in the draft, but not many. Kevin Pelton's numbers had him the number one player in the draft, and I don't think Kevin Pelton was really wildly wrong on this one. It's pretty crazy. And, we're, and, and what we're now seeing is not just performance. What was it, 17, 15, and 7 last night? What? But we're seeing skill set moments that are going to be replicable for his entire career. That's actually what should have you most excited. Some of the numbers, like the 2020 game against Minnesota when it's Nas Reed and it's Nate Knight and it's uh, Lucas Gar- Luca Garza, eh, I-, I think you can chill a little bit on some of those. The night against Embiid I think is pretty exciting. But And I think last night was good, though You know, that's not a team that's got centers. Precious Atua is not really a very good center. So you, exp- you know, the, it's a huge deal, the fact that, um, that these guys are able to um, – you know, frankly, first thing is super important is dominating guys you should dominate. Like, that's it's kind of the summer league rule. Like, if you go to summer league, you should totally dominate, and then if you don't dominate, it's a problem. So he should dominate these guys. The fact he's dominating the guys he's dominating is awesome because it puts you in the tier. But then what's most exciting about Walker is these individual skill set things that we're seeing. And then he just makes us so much better. It's really kind of great. Um, I don't want to forget about Jordan Clarkson. Mike Conley was super last night. I have a little late game watch. I fell asleep watching the Warriors and the Timberwolves at, like, one last night, so I didn't get in as many games as I wanted. I've fallen behind, people. I have fallen behind on my late game watches. I don't know what I'm going to do about it. Uh, but we'll check on those um, as we continue here um, on the program. Uh, today's show is brought to you in part by our friends over at Prize Picks. 100% deposit match up to $100 with a promo code locked on. Prize Picks is easy for you and fun. Daily fantasy made easy. Easy is what you got here going. Luka Doncic's going to score over what? Just only if they're not going to double-team him, he's going to score every single time. So you pick two or six players. If they're going to go score more or less than their prize projections, you can win up to 25 times your money on an entry. You might know something about Walker Kessler that other people don't know, so you take advantage of that. No competing against other people. It's you versus projections available. It's every sport imaginable. Entries can be made in 60 seconds or less. It's that easy. Safe and fast withdrawals. Currently operational in over 30 states and Canada. Download the PrizePix app or go to prizepix.com to sign up at Daily Fantasy Sports. First time you Users receive 100% instant deposit match up to $100 with the promo code locked on. If you deposit $100, prize picks will give you $100. If you deposit $50, prize picks will give you $50. Don't forget to enter the promo code locked on at sign up for instant deposit match up to $100. It is prize picks, and your promo code is locked on. Thanks so much for making Locked On Jazz your first listen of the day. It is the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Locked On NBA's game-to-game today was super running through all of it, including the Hawks' awesome performance, their best performance of the season in Phoenix. That's our next opponent. Tickets are available at utahjazz.com. So last night, this game gets tight late, and we're, you know, we're, Rightfully so, so enamored with Lowry and his and his what he's doing, and rightfully so, so enamored with Walker and what he's doing. I don't want to forget about Jordan. Frankly, we shouldn't forget about Mike. But Jordan specifically has a skill set that nobody else on this roster has, and he carried us last night. And what that is is when they're switching one through five late in the game, and it's 120, 116, and there's 157 left, 
and they're really digging in. We only got one guy on the roster who can go beat you one-on-one. Lowry's not quite there yet, and that's going to be the next step of his development. But it's not an area where at 7-1, it's really, at 7 feet, it's really hard to put the ball on the deck and drive and make those plays. He certainly is trying. Mike was crafty last night and got to the basket as they spread the floor and were able to take advantage of, of Toronto's uh, over – aggressive defense on the ball trying to force turnovers that opened up the rim uh, but Jordan is the guy that in those moments can make the one-on-one play his three with 139 left in his dagger with 106 his floating lamp with 106 that two play sequence last night was pretty awesome Jordan has it left side he takes a really hard left hand dribble fading three as the shot clock's winding down uh, tough look uh, after Van Vliet makes it a four point game with a back to his like second straight three and then the next time, they're up tighter on him, and Clarkson beats him and drives in the lane and hits a seven-foot floater. It's pretty special stuff. J.C. is one-on-one game is really, really important to the Utah Jazz. And frankly, they can't win any of these close games without that skill. And teams have to worry about it. It opens up things for Lowry. It opens up the other plays. Collins probably the one other guy, but he doesn't read great yet. Like, that's what Collins working on. Like, if you got one-on-one, go beat him. And as Will said in the press conference yesterday, when you see a second or third player, get off it. And that's not where Collins is right now on that. When that second or third player comes into his drive, he's not making the right read all the time. And late in the game, that would be a hard one for Will Hardy to turn it over to Colin Sexton to make those plays. What Will Hardy did do last night was turn it over to Ochai Abaji and Walker Kessler. The Jazz closed last night with Ochai Abaji and Walker Kessler with Colin Sex- with Jordan Clarkson with Mike Conley with Lowry Markin on the floor last night. So the 14th pick of the draft acquired from Cleveland in the Donovan Mitchell deal and the 22nd pick of the draft acquired in the Rudy Gobert trade were on the floor in game 53, closing for the Utah Jazz to move a game above 500 and get tied for, I think, whatever, eighth in the Western Conference. Who saw that? Not I. But that's another example where we're better because Ochai brings things and a calmness for a young kid. He's actually not that young. He's actually older than Taylor Horton Tucker. For a rookie that is really special. Ochai's NCAA Final Four experience, his background in um, four years of college, having walked graduation, having just gone through the whole process, that maturity that he brings, brings a level of calmness to the game. It was really interesting. I asked Will Hardy before the game about Ochai's development. My point was that when he's kind of scattered and there aren't normal things going on, he's making these kind of amazing plays. And how do you bring that out in structure? And, you know, Will Hardy talked about the drip. You're trying to drip these guys into development, and you're giving them little, little drips every single time. Well, Ochai closing is another drip along the way. You know, I've talked about it as the Oreo cookie, that you don't want to over-dip the Oreo cookie and cause um, someone to, like, you put the Oreo cookie in the milk too long, what ends up happening is you end up having your cookie collapse and fall apart on you, um, and and you end up with a... Um, you know, you end up with mush on the bottom of your milk, and it's not very good. If you just dip your Oreo cookie not enough, you don't ever get it any different than just being an Oreo cookie. But if you dip your Oreo cookie in milk at a perfect level, you've got something really, really special, and the Jazz are trying to dip that Oreo cookie softly. A uh, few thoughts on the Warriors-Minnesota game last night. So Naz Reed played instead of uh, Rudy Gobert, and he was great. And this is really interesting for Minnesota. I think Minnesota's coming together 
Um, we'll be interested to see what they do with the trade jet deadline with D'Angelo Russell, but I really feel like that team's coming together. I actually think they're going to go 18 and 12, 20 and 10 the rest of the way, uh, and that's the one thing I've really enjoyed about watching these late games. You can kind of tell when a team has it and when they don't. Frankly, on Toronto, I watched them a lot. If you listened to me earlier in the year, I kind of said I didn't think they were right, and they're not. Um, you can really tell late game whether teams are okay or not and where they're coming. We called Sacramento early in the year that they were actually coming together a little bit. Um, uh, Golden State is troubling. So Golden State's whole essence of their offense is that they don't have to run isolation, they don't have to go into one-on-one game, and they don't have to try to beat you in that fashion because they're running so many actions and things. They're not getting anything late in games off their actions right now, which is really unusual. I Draymond pushing every now and then and creating early. Uh, Jordan Poole burst every now and then right out of a timeout. Steph Curry went hard to the rack, but otherwise... Golden State, in the last three close games I've watched, is not getting much out of their usual actions and their usual game. I do wonder whether teams have just so many guys on the floor that are able to switch and react to this that they're catching up to them a little bit. It's not good because then Klay Thompson's going one-on-one, and Klay Thompson at this point in his career is not a good one-on-one player. Steph is not great at it, and you're getting a lot of bad step-back threes out of Steph. So the Warriors, to me, are a little concerning. Uh, Like, last night they should win that game. If the Warriors, you know, were all... If you ask me right now who my favorite is to to win it um, this year, I think my answer in the West, it, to win the West, is still the Warriors. But the more I watch, the less I believe that. I, I, maybe it's Denver, and it's just Jokic. There's, it's so darn wide open right now. But Clay Thompson in the clutch this year is shooting 30% from the field and 31% from three. He's just – that's – you know, I'm not trying to, the guys come back from an Achilles and an ACL. He's incredible, but he's not a, he's not a late game clutch player right now because he can't create his own shots. Steph Curry has actually not been great in clutch this year. He's 39% and 28% from 3. I, it's concerning what I'm seeing out of the Warriors in late game clutch situations right now. They just it doesn't they're not getting the looks they usually get that make them the Golden State Warriors. Um, their offense for the season in the clutch is ranked 25th in the league. Oh, that can't be right. Yeah, 25th in the league offensively in the clutch. That's that's problematic. And it's obvious watching them late in games that they're not getting their usual stuff. And it's looked to me more problematic recently as they got healthier, which is weird. Um, I just ran, and I have not checked this, the last 15 games, and they're still 21st in the league. Their defense has been amazing, and their defense is carrying through games. For Minnesota, D'Angelo Russell got crazy hot. Nas Reed made every play imaginable. Um, I do think they're coming together in a beautiful way. Um, So keep an eye on that. All right, that is Locked on Jazz today from the van at Snowbird. Time to go skiing after this is posted. Have a great day. Talk to you soon. Thank you very much for being a part of Locked on Sports, your team every day.